Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Ian Brinksman from Washington, D.C., and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Episode 488 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. And I am here with um, stolen valor, Jesse Dollamore. <laughs> yes. The hate continues. The questions continue. We, we have dedicated hater. Yes. A dedicated hater. Well, no, no, no. We have many dedicated haters, but for different reasons. Yeah. And this one in particular uh, refuses to accept many things about what you say about your military background. No, but- no, 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 no. Hang on. You're Now you're feeding into it what I say about my military background. I'm I'm feeding into it by calling you stolen valor, Jesse Dollamore, as well. <laughs> Let's do this. G- get your phone out there, because mm-hmm. not only we've already addressed this, I believe, as an intro topic before, mm-hmm. but <laughs> th- th- this will be a little different because not only did he write in, mm-hmm. he also called in. Yeah, and really wants to know. Well, I wanted to start off by talking about the the sweet thing that happened at the VA medical clinic. Mm. Cuz I got everybody knows I'm I'm going, my arms all fucked up, something's going on. Nothing serious, I think. It just, you know. So you went in yeah, to get, get stolen Valor VA care. <laughs> stealing. And not only am I stealing Valor, yes. I'm stealing healthcare. Yes. Somehow I've bamboozled the the Veterans Administration health system yeah into giving me 
health care because he believes I was kicked out. He believes I was kicked out in boot camp. Also, that VA check that comes every month. Now the memo line makes sense. Yeah. I was always wondering why it said stolen valor in the memo line. Some some months it's just wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. So so first, let me, let me, let's, let me talk about the appointment. It, it, I mean, not like the appointment, but when I got there. Yeah. You had to go get blood work done before your official appointment. That's right. So I I get there, and then the, one of the the ladies gets up, and she walks around handing out Valentines to everyone because so it was sweet. Valentine's Day. Yeah, and it was from a local high school or Marietta Valley High mm-hmm. School. I don't think that's super local, but yeah, it's around. Yeah, so it's around. Mm-hmm. It's it's a high school. Yeah, and uh, it was super sweet. And you know, I put in my I took a picture of it and put it in my pocket, but I. I mean, it was meaningful, but I don't give much credence to Valentine's Day at all, Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. But not that it wasn't meaningful for me. It was very meaningful Mm -hmm. to all the the old guys. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like the, by far, by at least three decades. Really? The youngest? The youngest one in there, yeah. Hmm. And they were very... Very touched by it. In fact, they talked about it for a long time. And it, while I was getting called in for That's my awesome. for my blood work, they were yeah. still talking about it. Yeah. And um, I always I always wonder how how meaningful those efforts are mm-hmm. by the the kids or whomever put those cards together. Yeah. And that really made someone's day. Yeah. They were talking about it for a while. Yeah. And it you know gives us something to talk about a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. I think it really meant something to those to those men in there. Yeah. And that's uh that's meaningful. Yeah. And I, I also wonder how much of it is that we don't really write letters anymore yeah, or send yeah. cards and it's all kind of like a text that says happy birthday, you know? Yeah, with a fucking emoji or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so like if if that was part of it too, that handing them something handwritten was kind of something that reminded them of a previous time and, and made them feel special. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it on scale, mm-hmm. some time was taken to yes. handwrite each one of those cards. For sure. It wasn't just like a you slap a sticker on it and then sign your name. It was... Yeah. It, it took some time. Yeah. So I, I, I appreciate that from Marietta Valley High School, um, whether it be a student. It looked like... More adulty handwriting. I, yeah. What do I know, though? <laughs> um, but it, but anyway, you, you brighten some days. It was uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, and maybe people can take this as an opportunity to bring back the birthday cards for the people in their lives. Yeah, I always think that's fun. L- listen, I, I I've I've written a few letters in my day. Mm. In my day, I've written a few letters, <laughs> and you sound I, like I, Homer Simpson's dad. I used to I used to reference that. Like, uh, Jefferson wrote, like, thousands and thousands of letters mm-hmm. in his in his time. He was a prolific letter writer. Shocking that you would reference the presidential history of letter writing. Well, I, I just, I, I think it, it, there is something special about it, more than just an email. Email is super, super uh, convenient and easy and For quick sure. and instant. For sure. But there is, if you really want to send a, um, a thoughtful you know, the thought that counts it really does count for a lot. Yeah. And when you sit down 
and you labor over a letter, there, there's something extra mm-hmm. that's delivered. And I, it would be nice to kind of go back to a time like that. Yes. When when the, the instantaneousness of uh, communication isn't necessary. Right. So now let's get into the joy that you felt having bamboozled the VA into getting free blood work done. Yeah, well, first, <laughs> first I want to talk. I want you to read the email. It's super quick. And I sent it to my buddy Ryan, who's also a Marine, mm-hmm. former Marine. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking say what I want to say. Yeah. And he noticed, because I guess I don't read the hate mail that closely. Yes. He read it and pointed out something that <laughs> I'm still laughing about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, re- read the email. So this is from David. I'm still waiting for an answer on why, Jesse, you call yourself a former Marine. Is it because you were kicked out? The public has a right to know. That bot camp week. I think he means boot camp. Okay. Uh, but he didn't write that. He wrote bot camp. Yeah. Which is really futuristic Maybe he's a and bot. cool. Um, two dress blue photo. Week two dress blue photo. How in the hell did you get away with smiling? Why? Where is that warrior face? Why did they kick you out? The late Sergeant Rob Branch told me about former Marines. Why they are called that. Former Marines never earned the title, never got the bird ball and anchor or the warrior feast. Is this why you call yourself a former Marine? I'm not going away on this issue. I shall hound your ass hard on this. Stolen valor is a serious thing. 35L was my army MOS. 10 years time and then some. I will find out the truth with or without your help. (laughs) So anyway, I I just skimmed over the email because I get a lot of a lot of harassment and hate online. I so. hope that I read it in the way that he was hoping I would. Well, we're going to hear his voice because he called in. Yes. So, but what Ryan pointed out <laughs> was this guy is such a fucking expert on on military matters mm-hmm. that he called what is tattooed a huge tattoo on the back of my right calf. Of the eagle globe and anchor, <laughs> he called the bird ball an anchor. <laughs> well, whoever Sergeant Rob Branches oh, yeah. is not educating Mr. David in the way that he should be. And it wasn't <laughs> the bird ball and anchor. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't just an off. Like he fucked it up. Yeah. That's really what he thinks it is because he also referred to it as the bird ball and anchor in his <laughs> voicemail. Yeah, Jesse, uh, just got a question for you. Why do you call yourself a former Marine? Uh, a good buddy of mine served with, I was in the Army's Marine Corps. We met the Legion together, BFW. Said that former Marines are the Marines who never really earned the bird ball and anchor. They were kicked out of the Corps <laughs> prior to generally week four or five. And um, also, how did you get away with smiling in that dress pool boot camp photo of you? Uh, we were not allowed to smile in the Army when we took our photos. We had to show the warrior face. So is it true that you are a former Marine because you were kicked out? That's what Sergeant, the late Sergeant Robert Branch told me. And I confirmed this about a couple of uh, BFW meetings uh, about seven, eight months ago. So I talked to former Marines. And so I'm Wait, what? for clarification, okay? Stolen dollar is a bitch. I just hope they're not committing it. Bye-bye. He, he just, he, he referred to it as former Marines. Yeah, then he talked to former Marines. I was talking to former Marines. Well, so they were kicked out. Why were they the VFW meeting if they were, if they were former Marines guy? David, you're, 
your story is falling apart here, brother. It's also, so he keeps talking about the smiling in the photo. And this is weird to me because I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is there like a rule in the handbook that you can't smile in this photo? Oh, well... I don't think there's a rule, but that's not a boot boot camp photo he's referring to. I was a fucking corporal mm-hmm. in that photo that was taken in Newport B or Newport um, Newport uh, Rhode Island mm. at the naval the naval base there. Mm-hmm. I was in a school there, and they took photos of us as a graduation thing. Mm. That's not my boot camp photo. A boot camp photo is straight on. That one's like I'm sitting at a thing, and there's a like a background behind me. Yeah. So no, in my boot camp photo. You're for sure stone-faced. Yeah. Now, you've gotten a few comments when we've talked about this of people saying, don't feel like you have to explain yourself, Jesse. And I just want to, for those people, it's very kind that they write that and, and say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I, this is more funny than anything. And kind <laughs> for of... For sure. I think it illustrates, though, what happens a lot of times because, Jesse, you're in front of a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. And people sometimes get stuck on certain things. And they is are they stuck on stupid Brittany? Um, <laughs> they they just can't let go of certain things. Yeah, yeah. And this guy is really having a hard time with this. Stolen and, valor, stolen valor is a bitch, and he just really hopes I'm not uh, committing it. But think of this: this guy who you have no relationship with, he's like been spending months talking to people about this. Yeah, and trying to track it down, and it's like, dude, what? What? What are you doing? You know? Well, the stolen valor thing went a few years ago was a big deal, like on YouTube. They were all the, you know, how the prank videos are a thing. And then, but there were, there was a time where stolen valor videos were a thing Hmm. where they would like confront people in public places with a uniform on who weren't, who didn't actually serve or, you know, they was clear that they're not because they're wearing the uniform all fucked up. Mm Mm-hmm. And like wearing tennis shoes with their utilities out in public or whatever, mm-hmm. their camis. And uh, he's just a little late. But there are there's an organization that 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 nails people for like claiming they're a Navy SEAL when they're not. Yeah. And I, you know, good for them. That's for sure. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. But come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Spending a lot of time on something that doesn't matter. Right. Well, you know, if it gives him purpose. Let him. Uh, let him while away because uh, he can look into whatever he wants to look into. Well, and it gave you bird ball and anchor. And also. Which is great. Bird ball and anchor <laughs> is classic. Come on. That oh, is awesome. Yeah. So let's let's move on with some normal <laughs> listener communication. Uh, this next call, they don't give their name. And they also say, I just want to explain because he says in the in the voicemail, he says, you don't have to play this. You can just paraphrase it. Mm. Usually. If if we if someone says don't play this, I, this is just for you. We won't play it, but because there was some leeway there with the you don't have to play it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna play it because I'm not really in the business of paraphrasing voicemails. Hey guys, I just wanted to touch base on this Cory Booker thing. Um, and if you could just you don't have to play my message, paraphrase it. Um, my voice is terrible when you hear it online. Anyway, I'll try to do this quick because I only have three minutes. I understand the reason why Cory Booker didn't call him a racist, but I also think it's very telling about him as a candidate. Um, you know, one thing that got Trump elected was his ability to kind of be different from another politician, right? <clears throat> and to kind of not be considered the average um, wishy-washy, go-with-the-flow type of politician. And by him not kind of standing up and saying, yes, he is a racist, um, it kind of reinforces that 
it's potentially the lesser of two evils. Secondly, it's more dangerous because I think what has happened in this country is we've normalized racism. Uh, if we don't see somebody shot, hit with a fire hose, billy clubs, or, or dogs attack them, it's easy to shove off, oh, that's not racist, or I'm not racist. I, I, I didn't mean to call the cops on that. There wasn't racism why I called the cops for the black people in my pool. It absolutely is. But I think by allowing, by normalizing, by not calling it out for what it is, uh, we kind of skew what non-people uh, of color view as racism. You know, let's be clear. Um, most of what our current president does is because of racism, because of a black president put policies in place that he wants to tear down. So I think it's really kind of something that, you know, as an electorate, we really need to be concerned about and be wary of. Uh, you know, and, and bear in mind that this is coming from a, a middle-class white guy, right? So I understand why Cory Booker didn't do it. Do I agree with it? Not, no, I don't agree with it. Do I think it's dangerous or it could be potentially dangerous that he didn't do it? Absolutely. Um, do I think if I was in his shoes, I'd be able to do it? Probably not, um, especially if I wanted to get into the office. But I think it's something that uh, we absolutely need to do as a people and as kind of a – we should expect it for our candidates. You know? Again, we – uh, we don't want to make sure that we're normalizing this stuff. Anyway, uh, rambling, thank you very much. Um, uh, great point. Have a great evening. So I agree with everything said here, and from one middle-class white guy to another, I don't know that this is our space to start making judgments about what Cory Booker did or did not do relative to labeling Donald Trump racist. Now, having said that, would have ha would have I liked? Would it made me feel good to have heard Cory Booker say, "Yeah, Donald Trump is a racist." Yeah, for sure. But it's not my place to to put my my druthers on how he decides to address racism, which actually affects him. Racism doesn't affect me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just I understand what the caller's saying. I agree with, you know, 90% of what he's saying. I just, it makes me a little uncomfortable when we start talking about me telling someone who's lived and lives with racism, the actual effects and 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 uh, ramifications of, of racist behaviors and attitudes and actions, uh, you know, kind of spelling it out for them how they should feel or how they should talk about it. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, um... That's all we have on the Cory Booker thing, oddly enough. It didn't uh, go as long as I thought it would, but that's okay. That is okay. Well, there's going to be more. Th yeah, for sure. He is running for president after yeah. all. Yes. All right. Next up. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Kelly from New England. Um, first, uh, Brittany, hey, girl. Do you have any advice on how to get through your last semester at grad school without having a nervous breakdown? Because I could, I could really use that sage advice right now. Um, as far as the Virginia governorship, what's really funny is that the Democrats, if they were smarter, they could play this hand very well. Uh, if Fairfax resigns, they appoint or have a quick election and get a new Democrat in there, then all those other idiots can resign and we can keep Democratic leadership in place and not have, you know, people who've done blackface. And maybe 
here's an idea. As a party, we start doing oppo research a little bit on our candidates before we run them. Maybe that's a thing we could do. Um, yearbooks, let's look at them. What a deep dive. Um, anyway, uh, also, after your podcast, I was babysitting my nephew because my brother and sister-in-law were out trying to get life insurance. And interestingly enough, my sister was turned down for life insurance uh, because she is pregnant. She's pregnant with her second child. Uh, but the rate of black women dying in pregnancy is too high. So the life insurance company straight up said, after um, you've given birth and there's less of a chance that you will die, uh, then you can have life insurance. So that's a fun thing about the medical practice as well. And uh, other things about blacks being used for medical um, procedures. The father of modern gynecology, whose name is escaping me, he almost exclusively um, experimented on enslaved women. There's a statue to him in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, or you can read The Infinite, the, excuse me, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which is another uh, story of how um, John Hopkins universe, uh, uh, John Hopkins abused uh, a black woman's corpse and used it against her will and without her consent and with nothing going to the family. Uh, if you want, I can write you a quick little something about the history of uh, blacks being experimented on by American medical science. But, uh, yeah, as you know, those can run on. Anyway, I'm going to go have a panic attack in front of a blinking cursor. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Thank you for that, Kelly. Yeah, there there is a lot of research out there on... I mean, the outcomes for black people being very different. Um, and a lot of that comes from bias, like we talked about. We had some people reach out to us in the aftermath of, of that discussion that we had. And um, some people wanted to keep their stories private, not necessarily be public out there, but that they have been personally affected by uh, the medical field, not paying attention to what they had going on yeah. and um, that it was scary and in a lot of cases dangerous for them. Um, so that's really important. And I hope people choose to educate themselves about those disparities in treatment because it's important to be armed with that knowledge. Um, in terms of Kelly wanting to know how to survive her last semester in graduate school, I don't know what the magical answer is, but let me tell you how I got through it. I prioritize sleep, and that has been a constant in my life. I always get enough sleep. I don't care what I have going on. I get the sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important. It it makes me feel like I'm alert and ready to take on the day and also um, prevents me from feeling physically ill because if I don't get enough sleep, I feel physically <laughs> sick. But the one time I didn't get enough sleep was actually right before I defended my thesis. And I stayed up much later than I normally do. And I was sick that morning. Very sick that morning. We won't get into the details. Um, <laughs> and But once you get through it, once you pass that final um, hurdle, it is the most amazing feeling and all of the work that you have put in and all of the late nights and all of the suffering, it is going to be amazing. It must be a really like a thing because of all the, the semesters of grad school for you, because mm -hmm. your program was three years, mm -hmm. the last semester did seem to be the most stressful. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Well, you have a lot of times you have the a thesis or a big project that you have to do. And so you're finishing that on top of doing your your classwork. And I think I took multivariate statistics my oh, last yeah, semester. That's right. And then you also had practicum, so you were actually seeing clients too. Yeah, so it was just a lot of things yeah. that were were happening at the time. Um and it can definitely take a toll. But let me tell you, I mean, that walk after I got the signatures and passed my thesis defense, I just walked to my car and sat in my car and started crying. And um, I'm getting emotional talking about it because it, like I said, I mean, once Kelly is finished, she's going to feel that pride of the yeah. work that she did. And I don't know a lot about her personal life, but whatever personal obstacles you've had to overcome as well, it, it's just so powerful and you're going to feel so strong that you pulled through and that you did it because it is, it is suffering that happens yeah. in and graduate it, school. And the graduation, not often are there like defining moments. Yeah. And that's one of those that, it's, especially for you, it was that, holy shit, it, it, it's like you being able to look into the river mirror and see what you came from. And then here you are standing on the stage, having graduated with your master's degree. That's yeah, pretty tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I'm excited for Kelly to feel that, too. And you'll be OK. Just make sure you get enough sleep and get yourself some snacks. Every once in a while. Self-care with yeah, snacks. Yeah, treat yourself. Treat yourself to some sweet treats every once in a while. If you like that. If you like that. If you like that. <laughs> Who doesn't like snacks? I, I don't know. I don't know. Come on. Yeah. Good luck. Yes, we, good luck. We look forward to hearing about it, Kelly. For sure. All right. Mo mo moving on to a, a topic that has been... We're going to deal with it in Dolomocracy. Um, and there's... Sometimes there are topics that there are... Uh, a lot of consternation on both sides of the issue. And we don't shy away from topics on the show because we firmly believe, I, I think I can speak for Brittany on this, that you could disagree and still be pals. We're all on the same team and certain issues are going to be um, rowdy, let's say. Yeah, and I think we could all do better to become more familiar and more comfortable with disagreement. Yeah. And still maintaining loving feelings. And I guess I'm just setting it up. <laughs> I guess I'm just setting up. And also the fact that two things can be happen at the same time. It, we, we, we've become, because of Donald Trump, I think more of a binary thinking mm -hmm. system. Yeah. Uh, in politics especially. But here's Ranger Bob. He wants to talk about Ilhan Omar. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. It's Ranger Bob. Hey, I want to talk about Elon Omar and, you know, her comments that she made this week about Israel and the lobbying group APAC. Listen, just because you criticize APAC or Israel does not make you an anti-Semite. It does not make you a Jew hater. You know, to criticize Hitler doesn't make you a German hater. To criticize America doesn't make you an American hater. To criticize the U.S. giving Israel $38 billion a year where they have free health care and free education does not make you an anti-Semite. To question their treatment of the Palestinians does not make you an anti-Semite. They are a sovereign nation. Just because they're Jewish doesn't give them the right to do whatever the fuck they want. It's a bunch of bullshit and it's a bunch of religious bullshit. And I'm disappointed in the Democratic Party for not at least explaining this and supporting her and actually coming out with, you know, some discussion 
instead of shutting her down and making her apologize. I think it's cowardice. I think uh, she's probably poking the Illuminati bear. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate. So, anyway, I'm a little fired up on that. So, thanks, guys. You're doing a great job. Peace. So, I, I, I don't on its face disagree with really anything that, that Bob said. Anything. However, I think it comes from any disagreement that I do have comes from where I think he is on this. And because there's such a vehement um, uh, defending of Ilhan Omar, it makes me think that he doesn't think she's anti-Semitic. And first of all, let me say this. And, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Like, I don't want to tell Cory Booker what is and isn't and how he should talk about racism and who is and who isn't racist. It's kind of the same thing for Jews. I'm not going to tell them what I think, what they should think is anti-Semitic. I can say what I think is and isn't, you know, just, and I don't really, it didn't really bother me. The, the, it's all about the Benjamins tweet that she sent out there about APAC. They are a powerful lobbying organization. And intrinsic with lobbying is money. That's kind of the deal. It goes hand in hand. The American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. Yeah. So, but, but that wasn't a one-off. She, she is, is known for, and we went back into her tweets, and even back to 2012, there are tweets where she's talking about Israel hypnotizing the world. Yeah, that tweet resurfaced three weeks ago. So this is the second apology in three weeks for anti-Semitic tropes. Yeah. And the thing that she's being criticized for with this new, it's all about the Benjamin's baby tweet, and people keep calling it a criticism of AIPAC. And is it a criticism? Like, did she write an op-ed and like go into detail and, and like lay out the criticism? Or did she just tweet, it's all about the Benjamin's baby and connect money loving to Jewish people. Yeah. So that's kind of the problem, right? And um I don't I I don't know if she's anti-Semitic. I think she's probably not anti-Semitic, right? Um but this this is um twice in three weeks that she's had to apologize for anti-Semitic tropes. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't go as far as I mean, I don't know if she's anti-Semitic, but look, if it's is she or is she not, if you have to make a guess, I'd say yeah. I would say yeah. Listen to this tweet from 2012. Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. When you start bringing the religion and all that into it with the Allah, Allah, and it's not a good look. Well, it's just not. There, there was a survey that the Anti-Defamation League did in 2014, and they did it in 100 countries. Um, they were looking at attitudes toward Jews and found that anti-Semitism was twice as common among Muslims than among Christians and is far more prevalent in the Middle East and, than the Americas. And this is religion based. That's right. And uh, Ranger Bob alluded to that as well, talking about how it's religion based. Um, but I guess what seems to be missing in that is Representative Omar's religious perspective as well, which she made clear in 2012 in that tweet. And we talk a lot about dog whistles, right? Um, and the white racists that use certain dog whistles that appeal to white supremacists. Will you start talking about Israel hypnotizing the world? Yeah. That is it's a I dog mean, whistle. That's straight out of my childhood, where yeah. we used to watch They Live, 
the show where Roddy Piper, the wrestler, uh, wore the sunglasses and then he could see the aliens in the world. And my parents had us watch that and told us that that was basically what Jews were like, that they were controlling the world secretly. And I mean, this is an anti-Semitic trope. Yes. And then she apologized and said she didn't know. Right. That she didn't know that hypnotizing was. And the thing is, um, Jewish people were upset by this. Right. Because they know these dog whistles. They have heard these tropes. They've lived with it their entire lives. Right. And so like Sarah Silverman, for example, I saw her retweet um, Representative Omar's apology and said, thank you for this. Thank you for correcting this and thank you for apologizing because to Jewish people, they hear this and they think, wow, that's an anti-Semitic trope. That's not good. Yeah. Right. But um, some Jewish people are cautioning and saying, listen, right wingers who are being disingenuous in all of a sudden giving a shit about anti-Semitism and racism. I'm not on your side. Yes, I was upset by her comments, but I'm not on your side. You know, so so there is this what you were saying. Two things can be true. The right wing that is suddenly outraged about anti-Semitism and calling for her to resign from Congress. Yeah, be kicked off the Foreign Relations Committee. Right. All of this. Please, please. Well, look in the mirror. For sure. I, I just. For instance, Candace Owens tweeted. Because. Ilhan Omar gave Mike Pence shit about the church he goes to and what their treatment and views of gays are. And Candace Owens tweeted and said, well, what about the, the, the mosque you go to? What about m- most mosques? that They also have bad attitudes about gays. Mm-hmm. And that's, listen, where it relates to the religion angle of this, I carry no fucking water for any religion. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, Ilhan Omar is a fundamentalist. She's wearing hijab, which... In America, isn't compulsory, but the rest of the Muslim world, in many countries, it is mandatory. You'd be arrested, put in jail in Iran, in Saudi Arabia. That's we're talking about women's rights here. I'm kind of going far afield, but I carry no water, especially for fundamentalists. If you're a nutter butter of any religion, I, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be up in arms defending. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm I'm split on this because I do believe that Israel is a human rights abusing nation, a violator of human rights on the Palestinians, mm-hmm. flagrant, egregious. But I don't hate them or or or. Um, shit on them because they're Jews. I, I don't give a fuck about that. And I'm not shitting on her because she's a Muslim. But it looks like that is what's happening from her side toward toward Jews. It, yeah, and it should 100% be, you should be able to criticize Israel. Absolutely. You, you are able to criticize Israel. But there is some room here to allow for caution to not say anti-semitic tropes i mean to not level the anti-semitic tropes that should be something that i think everyone cares about and i understand that everyone was outraged because of the disingenuous right wing that really went to bat for this for sure and we're going to get to all of that too yeah and that 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 totally makes sense and even that can ratchet up people's defenses of her even more 
right? And yeah. I understand that too, but I think we have to be cautious and also listen to Jewish people. And some people will say, well, you're talking about the right wing again. Um, but hey, there are liberal Jewish people. <laughs> Okay, it's not just all members of the um, APAC that she was talking about. Yeah, m- most I think most American Jews are are Democrat for sure. They're, they're it's a little different with Israelis. They they kind of strike a more conservative note. With yeah. you know Bibi Netanyahu being the the prime minister and all. Yeah, so kind of a Trump guy. Yeah, facing his own indictments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, I know we're going to get pushback because there are people who are going to agree. There are people who are going to disagree. There are probably people who are not going to listen again. But I want to have a conversation here. This isn't, I'm not right and you're you're wrong and, and vice versa. It's, let's have a conversation about it. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always leave a, a voice memo. Email one from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have three new Patreon supporters. Three new DP. DP. Matthew. Matthew. And Salvatore. Salvatore. Or is it Salvatore? Salvatore. <laughs> Which is it? I don't know. I think it depends on how you say it, how they say it. All right. Well, as Thank always, you. send us a voicemail and tell us how to pronounce your name. <laughs> <laughs> we are terrible. Yes, we are. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it very much. Uh, your support means a lot to us. It also helps us create new content, both uh, on the YouTubes. And also, right here on our twice-weekly, soon-to-be-three-times-weekly podcast. Yes. Speaking of the YouTubes, today's a big day. You hit 100,000 subscribers. I cracked the 100,000 subscriber mark. Congratulations. While sleeping last night. It's amazing. It is. It's a, you know, I I looked back to find out how long it took me. And my very first Tommy Laren video is kind of where the mark where I decided to start doing this. Regularly. Regularly. Mm-hmm. And even then, it was like every two weeks or once a month for a while. But that was the mark. And that was February 11th, 2016. Mm-hmm. And so three years it took me to, to get to 100,000. That's been a slog. It's been, <laughs> it's been a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Researching, writing, filming, editing yeah, it takes yeah. all of it. Um, but it's awesome. Yeah, and I, I want to—I really want to thank the audience because, for sure, without your help of sharing and liking and commenting and um, doing all of the things that you do to help a channel and help a creator, yeah, um, get their content out there. It's it just—it's. It, it, it's, I guess, one of those moments, like your grad school moment, where I look back and think, wow. Yeah. It, it has been, mm-hmm. it's, I can now, I can kind of now call myself a YouTuber. Up to this point, I really haven't. Yeah. I'm a YouTuber. Well, I got 100,000 subscribers. I'll get that goofy play, pl- button. play button in the mail. And, you know, I can <laughs> actually, I am now. Yeah. So it's good. You know, I just want to thank you guys so much. It, it makes me feel uh, all warm and fuzzy. Yay. Inside. <laughs> Dollar
Democracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So I was going to start with the Andrew McCabe uh, book tour that he's on and spilling new news all over the the the, the internets, all over uh, America. But I, since we're on the, uh, the Ilhan Omar thing and we've got a little steam going here, let's let's continue with that and kind of give an overview of what's gone on. I've got a couple clips here. And uh, there's both sides here. We're going to kind of show what has happened from two perspectives. One is the fact that she she has apologized. And this this is a clip that bothers me. But then also, she's really not acting like someone who is apologetic. Because when she's approached by, and I don't want to use the word friendly reporters, but certainly it's not a Fox News reporter. It's, it's Manu Raju from CNN. Yeah. So just a straight news reporter, not mm-hmm. not 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 a Alex Jones. Yeah, not an Alex Jones, <laughs> not an attack dog, and she gets shitty with him. Anyway, let, let, let's play this and we'll talk about it. Tonight, fighting back, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar under attack for anti-Semitic tweets, not saying quiet. Omar, who accuses Trump of trafficking in hate, her words, his entire life, is now publicly clashing with the president's new envoy to Venezuela. Manu Raju is out front. President Donald Trump has called on her to resign after remarks many viewed as anti-Semitic. And on Twitter, she's accused the president of racism. But on Capitol Hill, freshman Congresswoman Ilhan Omar is in no mood to talk about any of it. The president said that you should be, you should resign for, and the vice president said you should be held accountable for your views. Can you respond to that? No, thank you. Then asked about this Wednesday tweet where she said to Trump, you have trafficked in hate your whole life against Jews, Muslims, indigenous, immigrants, black people, and more. I learned from people impacted by my words. When will you? Omar took strong exception. This morning you said the president trafficked. What is wrong with you? Question about your tweet. You had a tweet saying the president trafficked in hate. I, yes, I tweeted. There's a response. You can run that and have a nice day. Why can't you explain more what you meant to say? A Somali refugee who joined Michigan's Rashida Tlaib as the first Muslim women to ever serve in the House. Omar has long criticized the Israeli government, but has said she respects the Jewish people. And her allies argue she's been unfairly singled out. Yet after tweeting Sunday that GOP criticism over Israel views are, quote, all about the Benjamins, she was roundly condemned, even by her own leadership and later apologized, saying she understands the painful history of anti-Semitic tropes. Can you regret your comments, Congresswoman? I'm pretty sure that was stated in my statement. GOP leaders were not satisfied, demanding she lose committee spots, even though they have been mostly silent about Trump's inflammatory racial rhetoric. Still, Trump went even further. I think she should resign from Congress. So... For me, maybe it's just kind of the, the disrespect for the free press. Because this is not a good look here. This morning you said the president trafficked. What is wrong with you? Question about your tweet. You had a tweet saying the president trafficked in hate. I, yes, I tweeted. There's a response. You can run that and have a nice day. Are you serious? What is wrong with you? Well, I'm doing my job, lady. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my fucking job asking you questions. Giving you an opportunity to clarify... With information. Just go look at my statement. Go run with that. Have a nice day. Get the fuck out of here. This is what I would expect from from a Donald Trump. 
abusive? Are you serious? What is wrong with you? If you sitting out there listening to this get aggravated when you hear Donald Trump talk to the press like this, mistreat a Jim Acosta like this, then it shouldn't only be reserved for Donald Trump because he wasn't being abusive. All he's doing is asking questions. Now, from the binary side of the coin, here's the other thing. The hypocrisy of the Donald Trump people, the hypocrisy of those within the administration and also those in Congress who are calling for her resignation. Come on. Yeah. You can't call for the resignation of her for even, let's just say, anti-Semitism when Donald Trump is a goddamn racist maniac. Also, look at Steve King. I mean, right. You Where's know, he? You, you have Steve King, who has lived a life of being openly racist. And only now, because racism is receiving like a little bit more scrutiny in public. <laughs> right. Um, that finally Steve King made a statement that was a little too directly racist. Um, then he, every- mi- he misplaced his dog whistle. Yeah. I'm patting my chest like right. I'm looking for it in a pocket. Right. Then, <laughs> then people pretended that they cared. The Republicans pretended that they cared because there was pressure on them to pretend that their they cared. hand was forced. Exactly. To, to, to get him to, uh, to drop him from his committee assignments. Right. So, you know, if only. <laughs> yeah. If only a simple statement like all about the Benjamins would be um, enough to, you know, get Republicans to act on their fellow racist Republicans in office. That's right. That would be great. Republican Party doesn't have credibility <laughs> on this matter to make Absolutely su- not. such judgments. Absolutely not. Pearl clutching. Oh, yes. I do declare. I'm so offended. Yeah, please. No. Please. So Jake Tapper did a thing, and I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I'm very happy that it got done, but I don't know if it's crossing the line into opinion and commentary hmm. where they did kind of a bit mm-hmm. on show. Yeah. Where even on, they named it on YouTube, like Jake Tapper's quote unquote rogue control room blasts Trump Trump's hypocrisy. So now Jake Tapper is doing takedown videos on YouTube. Yeah, it's almost like a, <laughs> it's, it's almost like a Seth Meyers closer look thing that they yeah. did. And I'm glad they did it, but there's a part of you that wrestles with it because yeah. you love Jay Tap in the role that he's in. I want I want him to be straight down the middle news reporting. Yeah. You know, analysis, not commentary. And there is a difference there. But having said that. This was a beneficial illustration. It was. There's been a lot in the news about bigotry recently. Minnesota Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar this week was accused by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other top Democrats of spreading, quote, anti-Semitic tropes. Omar has apologized, but our own Manu Raju found her quite unwilling to discuss the controversy when he asked her about it today. Yes, I tweeted. There's a response. You can run that. Have a nice day. Omar's apology that she referred to there was not good enough for President Trump. Anti-Semitism has no place in the United States Congress. What she said is so deep-seated in her heart that her lame apology, and that's what it was, it was lame, and she didn't mean a word of it, uh, was just not appropriate. I think she should resign from Congress, frankly. But at a minimum, she shouldn't be on committees. An amen came from Vice President Pence, who tweeted, quote, to those who engage in anti-Semitic tropes, 
should not just be denounced, they should face consequences for their words, unquote. Congresswoman Omar specifically suggested that financial donations from American Jews are what fuels support for Israel. She tweeted, quote, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And when asked to whom she was referring, she tweeted, APAC, the pro-Israel lobbying organization. Because there is nothing that this White House finds more offensive than a politician feeding into stereotypes about Jews and Jewish money and controlling politicians, which is what Congresswoman Omar is accused of having done. Is there anybody that doesn't renegotiate deals in this room? This room negotiates. I want to renegotiate this room. Perhaps more than any room I've ever spoken to. Maybe more. It's okay. I've, I've been called on that a couple of times, too. You're not going to support me, even though you know I'm the best thing that could ever happen to Israel. And I, I, I'll be that. And the re- I know why you're not going to support me. And, you know, you're not going to support me because I don't want your money. You don't want to give me money, okay? But that's okay. You want to control your own politician. That's fine. I'm sorry. That was the wrong clip. That was then-candidate Trump in front of the Republican Jewish Coalition suggesting that haggling Jews like to control their politicians with their money. Uh, we wanted the clip of Congresswoman Omar. Control room, I, I want the, the Omar clip. Give us the Omar clip. There it, it, wait, no, that's not it either. That's a deleted Donald Trump retweet from 2016. As conservative Eric Erickson tweeted at the time, quote, a star of David, a pile of cash and suggestions of corruption. Donald Trump again plays to the white supremacists, unquote. Uh, control room, I, I'm not looking for stuff about Trump. I'm looking for the Congresswoman Omar clip. Do you have it? Okay, I'm being told we have it. Thank you. Run it, please. Excuse me. Excuse me. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. No, control room. That was President Trump saying that very fine people were marching alongside neo-Nazis and skinheads and white supremacists, people who had chanted Jews will not... Yes, those people, the, the anti-Semites in Charlottesville. And my sincerest apologies. Can we please forget about President Trump for a second? Can we show the Omar tweet? Please, the Omar tweet. Can you show it, please? Oh, that's not, this isn't it either. This, unbelievable. This is a tweet by House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy right before the midterm saying, quote, we cannot allow Soros, Steyer, and Bloomberg to buy, in all caps, this election. Of course, that's an allegation by the House Republican leader that three wealthy liberals, all of whom happen to be of Jewish descent, were trying to buy the election. Guys, I'm not talking about that either. Okay, I'm sorry. We're going to take a quick break. We seem to have some issues here sorting out which anti-Semitic tropes are offensive and which ones are not. We'll be right back as we sort this out. So it's because of this that I believe people are making the binary choice that because Donald Trump is for sure a racist and the Republican Party for years has trafficked in racist bullshit, especially with their coziness with the Jews and Jewish religion because of the evangelical movement, it's a doomsday cult. Evangelicalism is a doomsday cult that until the end, there are certain things that have to take place. Certain keys have to be turned in order for Jesus to come back, for the rapture to happen. And that is going to happen in Israel. So they, they manipulate their relationship with Israel because of their wacky fundamentalist Christian beliefs. And 
people get sucked into, I believe people get sucked into because Donald Trump and the Republicans are so bad about this that we need to defend her and she must be right about this. And I, I, I don't think they have to, it has to be that way. She could have done a shitty thing. And she could be treating the media shitty as a way to try to avoid talking about it at the same time that the Republicans act like they act. Again, disagreeing, we are all on the same, I'm assuming, I mean, we've got a few hate listeners, (laughs) but I'm assuming we're all on the, the same team here. And if, if, if you disagree, I would love to hear from you. Like Ranger Bob, former Marine, Ranger Bob. Uh-oh. Uh, I love that guy. I I think he's a little over the top on this, but that doesn't mean fuck him. That means, well, we disagree about this thing. And going forward, especially, I'm kind of glad this happened for for the ability to talk about it because going forward into the 2020 cycle, I am most certainly going to say shit about the candidate you like that's not real positive. Mm-hmm. And I, this is kind of just building up some calluses <laughs> on some working man's hands. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I want everybody to get used to disagreeing about th- things because ultimately we want what's best for the country. Am I calling for Ilhan Omar to resign? No. You're not. I think she fucked up. I think she's brand new to this. Mm-hmm. And I think she probably does have some unresolved issues that she's carried with her from childhood and all the shit she was taught going from childhood on about about Jews being a, a fundamentalist Muslim. Well, I came out of it. She's far younger than me. I was able to come out of it. So can she. And she probably represents her people very well. Anyway, again, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. Well, we were going to talk about the McCabe thing. I think we'll push that till next episode. We do want to announce that Elizabeth Warren has officially announced her candidacy for president in uh, 2020, as well as Amy Klobuchar. The other thing that I want to talk about, though, today is the fact that Amazon, there was this big deal that Amazon was going to build a second headquarters, HQ2. And they went through and they pitted different municipalities against one another to give the best tax breaks. And they ended up settling on Queens. Ah, Maybe not Queens, somewhere in New York City. And they got a multi-billion dollar tax incentive deal to build a headquarters there. Well, there was some consternation, some politicians made some noise, there's some... Some regulatory restrictions that have come about because of some um, authority control boards. And they announced yesterday that they are pulling the plug. That's not all, though. And we'll talk about the other thing on the other side of the clip. Stunning and sudden announcement today from Amazon canceling plans to build a giant corporate center, one of its new headquarters here in New York City. Tens of thousands of jobs are now gone with it. ABC Stephanie Ramos near the proposed site tonight where many are angry this evening. Some are angry at politicians who they believe chased Amazon out. This local New York City business owner stunned. I'm sorry, did I interrupt your little like parade that you're going to throw for screwing over all our jobs? Lashing out at a city council member. We're a embarrassment to New York City now because of you guys. 
Moments after Amazon abruptly pulled the plug on building half of its second headquarters in this Queens neighborhood. Amazon saying a number of local politicians made it clear that they oppose our presence and will not work with us to build the type of relationships that are required to go forward. The governor and mayor of New York enticing the retail giant after its nationwide search with nearly $3 billion in tax incentives and subsidies, even a private helipad in return at least 25,000 jobs. The governor recently defending the deal and those jobs. It is irresponsible to allow political opposition to overcome sound government policy. But opponents saying no thank you. The workers united will never be defeated. Opponents like Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whose district was next to the proposed site. If we're will willing to give away $3 billion for this deal, we could invest those $3 billion in our district ourselves if we wanted to. We could hire out more teachers. We can fix our subways. We can put a lot of people to work. David, Amazon says they will continue with their plans to build a new headquarters in northern Virginia, as well as a separate project in Nashville, adding that at this time, they do not intend on starting a new search for a New York replacement. David. Stephanie, thank you. So you heard Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez there mention the $3 billion, and that is referring to the state and city tax incentives that were being promised to Amazon um, in exchange for the creation of 25,000 jobs with this Amazon headquarters. Yeah in Queens. And the people that were pushing back against it, local politicians, union leaders, community organizers who were not happy about these tax incentives that they were going to be getting. Um, you juxtapose that against the man that you heard at the start of that clip yelling about how he is losing out on a job opportunity. So um, two very heated sides. Sure difficult situation but now amazon is saying that um because they made it clear that they're not going to be working with them to form the relationships that they need they are going elsewhere and as we know amazon definitely is in dire need of deep deep tax incentives because of all the taxes that they pay i wish i had a fucking car screeching sound here uh this from forbes yesterday Amazon will pay a whopping zero dollars in federal taxes on $11.2 billion in profits. How fucking dare them have this attitude? Well, we're going to go elsewhere. It's clear they don't want to work with us. It's clear that they're, they don't really want to give us the billions of dollars of tax incentives so we can bring low-wage jobs to New York City. I mean, they just upped the, 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 the minimum wage there to $15 an hour mm -hmm. in their warehouse jobs, mm -hmm. which is not great in New York City. No. <laughs> so, and they're also, because of Trump's tax incentives, his tax plan, his tax scam, paying zero income tax, zero tax, on, and keep in mind, this is $11.2 billion in profit, mm -hmm. not in sales. I just looked it up. Macy's last year, Macy's, $5.3 billion in sales, just in sales. Mm -hmm. 
That's not profit. That's just what they sold. Amazon profited 11, almost $11.5 billion, paying zero taxes on that. Think about that when you write your check to the IRS this year or when you look at your return that is far less than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That Jeff Bezos, the richest man on the fucking planet, his corporation is paying zero taxes on $11.2 billion. And then they they have the audacity to act like assholes that we're going to pick up our ball and take it elsewhere. And that they're going to go to D.C. apparently. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, you have to feel for that guy that was angry, right, about... For sure. About the lack of jobs. But um, I think that the union leaders, the local politicians, the community organizers, that they are forward thinking in in this matter. Right. And that even though it, it is painful for many people to see the loss of a job opportunity, many job opportunities that in the long run, maybe this was the best decision. Well, from from the larger outlook, it's just it's not worth. It's, it's like what happened in, in Wisconsin mm-hmm. with Foxconn. Right. Saying that we're going to come here, but we need all these concessions. Billions and billions of dollars worth of tax incentives to come. And then we'll we'll create, they'll give a number of jobs. Mm-hmm. So different cities compete for the contract, where they're going to land, where they're going to build their, their complex. They, they condemn homes. They they take land through eminent domain, and then the jobs that were promised, oh, well, it's actually not going to be like regular people jobs. It's going to be professional jobs, right. engineer jobs. Those people are likely going to be brought in from elsewhere. So it really doesn't help the community as much. And this is just one case. Mm-hmm. This happens all the time. Yeah. With, with public financing of, of sports stadiums. Mm-hmm. These billion-dollar operations. Yeah. They don't need taxpayer-funded uh, financing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's all the, the, all this corporate welfare that nobody cares about. That's but, exactly right. But the Trump administration is trying to take SNAP um, away from food stamps, away from people who have disabilities, and trying to put work requirements on people. That's right. Even though there's high rates of unemployment where they live, they can't they can't get an out for that. They will still be held to this this work requirement that they have to be finding this amount of work every week, um, taking food away from people. But then these large corporations get these massive tax incentives. It's very very disturbing. Well, especially in this case, that through the, the the tax reform, the tax scam that they just did, it's. They're setting us up for deficits. Our debt now is $22 trillion. The Trump administration is borrowing a trillion dollars a year right now because they cut taxes, revenue goes down, and we're in the red. We're in the red, so then they say, oh, shit, well, we got to do something. We're going to cut Medicare and Social Security. That was the plan all along, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. It's unconscionable that they give the wealthiest people right now in America, the top 400 wage earners earn earn as as much own as much assets as like 45 percent of the country. As 150 million people, mm-hmm. 400 richest Americans. Look, everybody knows I'm no 
bleeding heart socialist. But that is an immoral system that allows that to take place. That's why I fully support. We're getting way off, far afield here. That's why I fully support a, a, a marginal tax rate, whether it be 60% or 70%. We need a way to redistribute some of that wealth. And yeah, I'm using the word. Away from the richest to benefit the people who are actually the engine of the economy. Anyway, moving on. So as promised, we are going to be chronicling the different entrants into the 2020 race. And both Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts and Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, announced the other day that they are both officially in the running. And I'm going to play clips from both. They both did it kind of in a different way. I mean, they both gave a speech. But Elizabeth Warren was really more talking about ideas and what what what, what her what, and maybe because the just juxtaposition I'm going to draw here is Amy Klobuchar is really talking about you know kind of what Hillary Clinton my mom was a maid and then this and she gave like her genealogy leading up to her and then that's why I'm a common man you mm-hmm. know what I mean I'm going to run for president and I'm blah 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 yeah and Elizabeth Warren really talked a lot about ideas and her vision for America. Um, let's just, we'll start with Elizabeth Warren very briefly, and then we'll move on to Amy Klobuchar's of our lives, the fight to build an America where dreams are possible and America that works for everyone. And that is why I stand here today to declare that I am a candidate for President of the United States of America. And this is, um, there's a distinction between these two styles. Amy Klobuchar got out there in a driving snowstorm, which I thought was was pretty great. Because mm-hmm. it is, there's some grit there. There's some toughness there. She actually used the word grit a few times in her speech. And of course, Donald Trump attacked her for that. Because of gl- global warming. Ugh, goddamn. And standing, Unbelievable how stupid he is. And standing in the snow. Well, he probably felt vulnerable because of the times that he hasn't been able to brave the elements and um, saw a woman braving the elements. Yeah, he can't and, even go out if he doesn't have an umbrella. Yeah, so he obviously felt vulnerable about that and then lashed out. So she gets out there and it's snowing. I mean, it's a hard snow. And by the time the microphones had like snow, like like maybe an inch, in half of an inch. I mean, there was a pile of snow on top of her microphone as well as her head. And um, <laughs> listen, there is a difference though. And I want to talk about this. I want to ask the audience what they think about this. Is Is this indicative of someone who's just, I don't know. I don't even know how to phrase it. I don't know how to talk about it because it is something that bothers me. I don't care to know about your genealogy. I don't care. My mom was a coal miner and blah, blah, blah. Probably not a lot of mom coal miners, but, you know, let's talk about what your ideas are. Because what your grandpa did isn't going to help me. 
Yeah, I so I get the family stuff, but I do want to hear about um, personal adversity because I think that that is very important and it's hmm. formative in people's worldview. And when you have people that have only come from privilege, and I'm talking about like real adversity, not like trying to act like you had adversity and like really stretching the truth with some of yeah, your experiences. for sure. Um, like I'm, Howard Schultz. Yeah, I'm talking about coming from a low income background, being in a single parent household, being raised on food stamps, you know, whatever it might be but I, I actually want to see someone that has that and I think it's fine to talk about it because it influences their worldview and and the types of policies they will support so when yeah. you have someone that has had a silver spoon in their mouth their whole life they're going to have a very different uh, set of priorities just based on their experiences and and where life has brought them for sure um so I think it is important but yeah some of the you know my grandpa did this yeah it's not like super relevant we, we get it Thank you for sharing, um, <laughs> but for sh- but maybe stick to like your own kind of experiences and, and what it taught you. My family story is like so many of yours. On both my mom and my dad's side, they arrived in this country with nothing but a suitcase, but they made a home here. It was cold. <laughs> okay, maybe not as cold as this. They didn't know anyone. But like so many immigrants, they wanted a better life for their families. My grandpa worked 1,500 feet underground in the mines up north on the Iron Range. He never graduated from high school. He saved money in a coffee can in the basement to send my dad to college. My dad, who's here at age 90, got a two-year degree from Vermilion Junior College and then finished up at the great University of Minnesota. He became, he became a journalist. As a young, thank you, person cheering. As a young Associated Press reporter, he called the 1960 presidential race for John F. Kennedy. He covered the 1968 conventions. He interviewed everyone from Mike Ditka to Hubert Humphrey to Ronald Reagan to Ginger Rogers. Freedom of the press wasn't some abstract idea to my dad. He embraced it. He lived it. My mom, a proud union member, taught taught second grade in the suburbs until she was 70 years old. Her students, now grown, still come up to me on the street and tell me she was their favorite teacher. So today, on an island in the middle of the mighty Mississippi, in our nation's heartland, at a time when we must heal the heart of our democracy and renew our commitment to the common good, I stand before you as the granddaughter of an iron ore miner, as the daughter of a teacher and a newspaper man, as the first woman elected to the United States Senate from the state of Minnesota to announce my candidacy for President of the United States. So a few things to consider for um, Amy Klobuchar, because she's relatively low profile, right? A lot of people don't know her. It's Minnesota, you know, unless you live there. 
then you know her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she really, I think, came to fame during the Kavanaugh hearings. Yes. Became more of a household name or a political junkie name. Yeah. So a lot of people point to her success in getting elected in Minnesota as a good sign for how she could do in the presidential election. Which is an important thing, I think. Because in um, 2006, when she was first elected, she won by a 20-point margin. And she was re-elected in 2012 by 35 points. Wow! And then in 2018 by 24 points. Yeah. So this is someone who gets elected by wide margins. And she also performs statewide well statewide not just in um the twin cities so she won actually 79 of 87 counties in wow. 2006 yeah that's, that's something to think about that's important yeah and then also 85 of 87 counties in 2012 one thing that she um possibly has difficulty with and nate silver noted this in um his article on 538 the 538 they're they're running um, at each time someone announces, they say this person's path to the 2020 nomination. They kind of go through their strengths and also their weaknesses. It's awesome. And one of the things that Nate Silver listed as a weakness is that she doesn't really have a clear path with non-white voters and that that could be a potential um, point of difficulty for her. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that she's also going to have trouble with are these reports of her being vindictive with staff. Um, if, if she didn't approve of someone leaving and they got a new job calling their new employer and, and getting them fired and things like that. Uh, that's Those not, are reports. Yeah, that's not a good look. And uh, again, similar to the stuff that we've talked about with Cory Booker, these are things that they will be asked directly about. They need, she needs to be directly asked, have you ever called the new employer of a former employee and had their job offer rescinded? Had did, have you ever done that? Mm -hmm. And if she doesn't answer directly, if she tries to squirm and give some weird obf obfuscation, um, she is a fucking no for me in primary unless it comes down to her and Donald Trump. Yeah. And again, these are primarily anonymous sources sure. that are giving these um, accounts. But the statistics do show that she has high turnover. The highest turnover in the Senate. So yeah. that's not good yeah. that the numbers are kind of validating some of these reports, even though they're anonymous and rumors, right? Yeah. Um, and apparently the rumors have been widespread for some time. I could, I could, I would love to know what the audience thinks about who, who hasn't uh, come in or even really been talked about seriously come into the race. I could get behind like a Stacey Abrams in Georgia, even though... She lost her race. There was a lot of chicanery going on down there. For sure. Um, but I could get behind a Stacey Abrams candidacy for president because I think she could uh, shore up a lot of that. A lot of the same stuff we're talking about. Yeah. The single mother, the, 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 the adversity that she's faced, and the fact that she fared very well in a southern state, mm -hmm. you know, for, from an electoral standpoint... Could be a could be a good thing. Anyway, I'm not a no on Amy Klobuchar. I just think that uh, we want somebody who has a good heart and treats people well. And if you're being very, if you are, I don't know that it's confirmed. It's not confirmed. I don't know that it, that that it actually happened. Uh, that's it's not a good look. It's not a good sign of who you are in your heart. Yeah, and and I agree with that. I also want to be cautious for a lot of the criticisms that are coming out about the female candidates and. I want to pay particular attention to certain qualities in women that would ordinarily be acceptable from men that are not acceptable from women. Yeah, I um, agree. 
so I definitely want to be careful around that. But if the behavior is rising to like vindictiveness and actually like harming people that you didn't like by getting their new job offers rescinded, that's really not good. And also if you're yelling at your employees, I don't even even mind yelling. Yeah, but I don't mind a tough boss. Even if a man was yelling, though, I come on, dude, you can't yell at your employees. Yeah, we're different on that. Uh, if she's yelling, she's tough on a boss. Or, or, or if she's yelling and she's tough on her employees and she holds them to a high standard because you here serving the people, you better do a good fucking job. We represent m- millions of people. I'm good for her. I'm okay with that. But if you call because someone got a new job, uh, no, no. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but like I said, I'm also, I wanted to be careful about that because. I have been called a bitch as someone who is. You've been told you need to smile more. Yeah, all of that but, shit. But as someone who is more dominant yeah. in, in the workplace, for sure, as well. I feel dominated all the time by Brittany Page. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I remember being a, a leader of a team at a, a specific job that I had. And I was under a deadline. I needed my team members to get their work done. And it was on me. I had to do a weekly meeting where I was the one that was held accountable for whether the work got done. Yeah. And... I did the best I could with my team that I was given. Bunch of flunkies. You were a project manager. Yeah, it didn't work very well. But um, <laughs> I, I remember overhearing my boss telling one of my team members that I was just a bitch. And so I walked into his office after he was done with the meeting. So great. And I sat down and I said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I overheard your, your conversation with my uh, my team member. And uh, you think I'm I'm kind of a bitch. Is that right? And I just like directly asked him because you can't right. you can't be doing that. Yeah, bro. you're undermining me. Yeah, you're undermining me. You're also being a dick. And yeah. what the hell, man? You know, um, just go back to clipping your toenails five days a week in your office, which all over is the place. what he would do. Gross. And freak. then type on his computer, and then other people would type on his computer and get his toe jam stuck under their fingernails, I'm assuming. <laughs> so, uh, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> I am a little bit more um, careful uh, about those reports. But, like, and you're okay with the yelling, I wouldn't be okay with yelling. Well, I don't mean like, you motherfuckers! Just... If you raise your voice and you get, there's an intensity. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but I, I leave some room for, hey, it's okay for women to be tough bosses. Yes. And it would it would be acceptable if a man was a tough boss. And yeah. so it should be acceptable if a woman is a tough boss and she can be a tough boss without being a bitch. Yeah, I think that's really the, the gold standard going forward that we all should strive uh, for. And that is really honestly think, don't just say, well, would it, if a man did it, yeah, it'd be fine. Or it wouldn't be fine. Really think about it. Like, yeah. What would your attitude be if you heard that, you know, whomever, mm-hmm. J- John McCain, somebody who's, a, you know, a, a leader, if they were acting like a dick to their state, you'd be like, oh, well, he's just a, he's just a, a, a man's man. He's just a leader. You know, you want to apply the same standard to women because it is the same. It's exactly the same. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, we, we as always want to know what you feel. If you disagree, of course, moreover, if you disagree, we want to hear from you. Um, this is a conversation. 
just because Brittany and I only are the ones with the microphones right now, we have tried to create an atmosphere and a program, a program here mm. that uh, fosters a conversation. I don't know if it's the slogan of the show or the mission statement, but we are committed to moving the conversation forward. We want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, email your voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We want to again thank you for your loyalty and your listenership. If you are not yet a Patreon supporter, go to teamdollamore.com. We'd love to have you in the Patreon family, taking part in our monthly Google Hangout calls, uh, getting the stickers, the different reward tiers that we have. You are helping us not only keep the lights on, but make the videos on YouTube, the podcasts. We love you guys. You are awesome. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Bird Ball and Anchor. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park